Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. The longer you're in church, the higher chance you have of being hurt or offended by somebody because any church is full of imperfect people just like you and me. And so we want to figure out how to not just survive church hurt, but how to grow through it. And I think that you're going to experience church hurt because the devil is going to try to get involved in everything he can here to mess things up and to cause you to have an offense of some sort. We talked about week one was the two, two sides of the coin, and we talked about that you have to look at things from a perspective of you may not always have been innocent in every instance involving church. You, you may have been innocent this go-round, but I guarantee there's somewhere, someone floating around somewhere that says you've done something to them, maybe severe, maybe just rude, maybe just short. And so we've got to look at how we have a role to play in it all. Week two, we talked about the tree of life, that the, the devil's strategy is to separate you. If he can't separate you from heaven, he's going to separate you from being effective here on earth, and you'll be a useless tool for the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we talked about. This week, our message is called The Opposite of Revenge. We're going to talk about what forgiveness actually looks like, and it may be different than you think. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? What is its role what is its purpose? But I want to ask you a question, and it's rhetorical, unless you want to yell out. Do you wish sometimes that you had a jar or a canister of spiritual whiteout? For when you, hold on, for those of you under the age of 25, whiteout, you laugh, they don't know, is this material in which it is the color white and you can actually cover over print and retype it, even with a typewriter. Yeah, I'm that old. And, and, and so whiteout allowed you to eliminate what was there and rewrite the story. And, and oftentimes, I wish that when I read the Bible, I had some spiritual whiteout. Do you want, you don't want to know why? Nobody wants to know why. Because there's stuff in the Bible I don't like. There's things in there that aren't easy, that aren't fun, that don't feed my flesh, and I wish it wasn't there. For instance, Jesus says in Matthew 5.44, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I'm not interested. <laughs> Wipe that thing out. What do you say? Get them before they get you? Or karma boomerang, man, you throw it at me, it's going to come back and smack you in the face. That's what I wish it said. I wish Jesus said, I'll take care of them right now. Don't you worry about it. I got you. My youngest daughter, Callie, a couple years ago, we were early on in this journey of her asking, like, what does it mean to ask Jesus into your heart? And she went to church, previous church, and the, there was a, a 10, 11-year-old boy that was kind of mean to her. And I was like, Callie, listen, part of following God is you have to be kind to people who are mean to you. And, and she goes, I got to be nice to the guy who's mean? And I said, if you want to be a Christian, she looks at me. This, this is, she's her uh, mom's daughter. She looks at me, and she's like, I'm not interested. Uh, she was serious. It took two more years before she actually gave her life to the Lord, like, because it doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. 
Have any of you ever been in a fight? Anybody? Grant, I'm not talking about when you roast somebody on Twitter. I mean like a physical fight, like Morse code on their face. But If any of you, raise your hand if you've been in a fight. Fighting's stupid, by the way. But I've been in a few fights. Funny part is this week as I was reminiscing the different fights I've been in, I don't actually remember winning a single one of them. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe. But that part wasn't funny. But, but there was this one time in sixth grade, man, there's this kid named Ryan. Man, I don't like anybody whose name is Ryan. Like, Ryan. And, and I was playing basketball. This kid ran up. He sucker punched me, man. Just boom. I'd like to tell you I turned around and said, what? That didn't hurt. But no, no, I crumbled like a Jenga puzzle. But, but, I, but by the time I got up and, like, knew what was going on, the teacher separated us, and I didn't really have access to get revenge on Ryan. And then sixth grade ended. And then we went off to middle school. Now, this is before social media, so I don't know what happened to Ryan. But I did know that the next year, at the end of the school year, they had an ice cream social for all of the previous graduates, and that was going to be my chance. Oh, I was going to, yeah, I, I was in karate, had a green belt, just like the second one. But more than karate... I went through this magical thing called puberty. Oh, I was bigger. I was stronger. I had more body hair. And Ryan was about to get his. Because guess what? I showed up at the ice cream social, and Ryan had not gone through puberty yet. And I was way bigger than him, way bigger and way hairier. That's all I'll say. And I show up, to, and Ryan, I show up and Ryan's looking at me, and I know what's going through his eyes, the fear. And then this terrible thing happened. Is that thing called the Holy Spirit? When like it reminds you of things. And like I'm reminded of my grandma and I'm reminded of like my teacher at school and, and I'm reminded of uh, Bible school at um, church and I'm, and I'm reminded of like them telling me of this verse that Jesus told you to do this. And, and, and if you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to learn to bless those who curse you. Now, now that doesn't make any sense because I've been hurt. And I, I'm just praying that God won't have me like lose my temper on them, let alone bless them. How do, you, how do you not just forgive someone, but bless them? I think maybe we have misinterpreted what forgiveness is. So let's take a little bit of time talking about what forgiveness is. Because I've talked to some of you this week some of you are battling some serious things that happened to you. And I'm not making light of them. I'm not minimizing what you've been through, but I'm maximizing what my Savior did on Resurrection Sunday. So what is forgiveness? Does forgiveness mean you let him off the hook? When do you forgive? It's a good question, isn't it? First of all, if you're asking somebody to be blessed by God, they can't be blessed by God till they're made right with God. And normally the initial steps of being made right with God is he reveals to you what you have done wrong and that you need a savior. So really by praying for your enemies to be blessed, that's skipping a few steps because that means that God's already done a work in their heart before they can get blessed. So you're actually praying that they will hear from God and that God will reveal what they need to have revealed. The second one is this. We take our feelings 
and we put them up on this giant pedestal. You ever told somebody, follow your heart? That's terrible advice, man. Don't follow your heart. Your heart leads to stupid decisions. Don't follow your heart. But our feelings, though, like if our life is a train, the feelings are supposed to be the caboose. Your knowledge, your obedience in the Word of God is supposed to be the steam engine. But we do the opposite. We put our feelings on the front end. And our knowledge, our obedience in the Word of God is in the caboose. And some of your cabooses are bigger than... Some of us need to move to the front of the train. I don't feel like forgiving them. Here it is. Are you ready? This is the big one. Write this down. Remember it. Feelings follow obedience. If you wait till you feel like forgiving somebody, you won't. Obedience is what God commands. He'll take care of your feelings later. But this whole Christian life, it's not about your feelings. It's not about following your flesh and what you want to do and what you think is best. You've missed the whole thing if you think it is. If you're a woman in here and you're married, I got a news flash for you. It's going to change your world. Are you ready? The moment that your husband said, I do, all the other women in the world don't instantly become ugly. We choose monogamy. We choose faithfulness. We choose to be loyal to our spouse, not because we always feel like it, but because that's what the Lord requires. And it's obedience. If we wait to follow our feelings, your feelings will deceive you. The prophet Jeremiah says, who can trust the heart? It's the most deceitful of all things. We got to have obedience first. God will take care of the feelings. I have one person that I prayed for, and uh, I didn't want to. And so here was my initial prayer. Are you ready? God, you told me to pray for them, so I'm just doing it because you told me to, though I don't feel like it. Bless them. Be with them. I'm praying for them. That was my prayer. But how much does that mean to God when you say, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it because that's what you ask of me? I have a feeling that God has no problem with that initial prayer. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the person you're forgiving. Did you hear that? It has everything to do with you and God. I have this on your note-taking guide. I want you to see this. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. Here's what I mean. Forgiveness is simply allowing God to be the judge. Forgiveness is saying, you've given me this offense. I'm not going to hold on to it until I think you're ready to get it back. Instead, I'm going to give it to God. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're buddy-buddy again. It doesn't mean that that relationship is ever reconciled. It doesn't mean that it has to go back to the way it was. It doesn't mean that you have to forget. You ever heard forgive and forget? That ain't in the Bible. That was Mr. Rogers, man. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is letting them no longer have that offense and that power and that control over you. Forgiveness is actually a gift from God to allow you to walk in freedom. Paul and Jesus, both of them in the New Testament, spend quite a lot of real estate talking about 
forgiveness more than I wish. I wish they talked all about prosperity because that would make preaching so much easier if every week I could just come up and say how blessed you're going to be. But, but we got to transition from spiritual milk to meat. So I want you to hear what Paul wrote. Colossians 3.13. These are all in your note-taking guide. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Here it is. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen to what Jesus says. These are words in red. Luke 6.37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Listen to this. Forgive and... Not forgive, dot, 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 dot. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's almost as if those are tied together. Listen what Mark says. Jesus says in Mark's gospel. And when you stand praying, if any of you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that, hold on, so that, write that down, underline that, so that, that's right there with and, I wish I could wipe this out so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, you have two choices when you read Scripture that heavy. Dismiss it or lean into it. We don't actually have a whole lot of words of Jesus that are recorded for how much he impacted history. We got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the itty-bitty-bitty bit of Acts. So when there is recorded words of Jesus, those should mean something, especially if they appear in multiple Gospels. It's important. Can I I tell you something, and and you won't judge me? This could be a safe place. I'm scrapping my Easter message. We're going to talk about gossip and judgment next week. Can I tell you something, and you not judge me? This be a safe place? There's something I really hate. I mean, really. In fact, to me, it's the most selfish thing you can do. And that's order fajitas at a restaurant. Bear with me. When I'm at a restaurant and somebody at the table orders fajitas, I smell like them for the rest of of the day. I didn't eat fajitas. You did. So you go home and smell like fajitas. Don't, don't, don't bring me into your fajita smoke. I hate it. In fact, if I'm at a table and somebody eats fajitas, I go home and shower almost immediately. I hate when I have a meeting right after lunch and like I have to walk in. I want to preface and be like, hey, listen, I know I smell. I know that it's terrible, but it wasn't me. Somebody ordered fajitas. Like I want to tell them that. I want to hang a sign around my neck. Like it's not me. And, and, and I went to lunch recently a couple weeks ago with somebody who's in this very room. Mr. Selfish. Does anybody want to say who they are? Mr. Selfish, Mark Hat. 
Why do I hate it so much, man? Because I can just feel that smoke. Like, I don't even like when I, just forgive me, okay? All right. I don't even like when I'm sitting at the table and like the server comes walking out, holding the fajita, like for everybody to see it. And like, I'm sitting there, I could hear it sizzling. I could feel it. And I could feel the fajita smoke like seeping into my hair follicles because I got to go home. I got to shampoo. I'm washing everything. I don't understand why you could be so selfish just to order fajitas. Now, hold on a second. Why am I saying this? Is it because I'm crazy or is it because I'm attaching this to a deep theological truth or is it see all of the above? <laughs> I don't, I was rhetorical. Here it is. This is what Jesus did. Jesus would take things that they knew and he would attach deep theological truths to just mundane things. And here it is. This is what somebody is like when they live in offense. It seeps into who they are and they carry it with them whatever room they go to. Think about someone in your life at some point in time that has an offense done to them, and they carry it with them. It's the victim mentality, and everything they see is through the lens of their offense, through the lens of their pain, through the lens of how they were wronged. It affects every area of your life. There's no such thing as just being church hurt in a vacuum. It permeates throughout every relationship you have. Why? Because church hurt is attached to your relationship with God. And you will not have anything healthy in your life if this area is unhealthy. I want to tell you about a parable of Jesus. These are words of Jesus. This is in Matthew, the tax collector's gospel. And, and Jesus talked in parables a lot. But again, there's deep theological truths. I, I'm not sure if one of his parables would be about fajitas, if it was 2021, uh, but it might. It might. But this is a parable called the parable of the unmerciful servant. Now, let me set it up for you. You've got Peter being very Peter. He's asking Jesus, like, you told me I need to forgive someone. Can you tell me how many times I got to forgive them? Because, like, I'm not really good at this forgiveness thing. And Jesus gives them an answer that here in 2021 in Western culture doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's apply it to our lives. Matthew 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I will tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That's not very much. Like 70 times 7 or 70 times 7. And so, so let's set that up. Because I don't know about you, but I've forgiven my brother way more than 70 times. Like, he's been an idiot his whole life. It's true. So that's it? That ain't bad. Here's what it is. So Peter is asking him, how many times do I got to forgive? Because there were rabbis, just, just the, the Jewish teachers, people of the law, that were teaching in that area about this one random story found in Amos, I think it's chapter 3, in which God forgave people that attacked Israel three times, and then after that he punished them. And so your Pharisees, they kept adding to the law. That's what man does. That's what religion does. They add to it. Jesus strips it away, and Christianity is very simple. And so 
Peter is saying, like, I know that around here they say three times. What about seven? That seems fair. It's more than double, right? Seven's also the number of God, the number of completion. When you see that in the Bible, that's, what you, that's most of the time what it references. And so Jesus takes it even further. And when he says 77 times or 70 times seven, he's basically saying, this is what man is expecting right now. I want you to take this even further. It might as well have been a billion. Because to Peter, he had been like, whoa, okay, we've got some work to do. Again, here's something else. Big chunk of scripture, a lot of real estate talking about forgiveness, what it looks like. And for the next part, I actually need some help. And so let's see. I'm going to have Corey, my deacon chairman, come on up here for a minute. Thank you. You were voluntold. Yep, you picked a bad day to wear a T-shirt and jeans to church, didn't he? Come on up. Oh, it says love your neighbor, though. Okay, well, then it's fine. All right, so I need you to take this pink marker and put a giant. Well, you messed all my notes up, man. Uh, put a giant number one right there. Like enough for them to see it so you make it a little thicker. All right. Now, you're going to work for me just for this parable, all right? So I'm the king, and uh, you're a servant of mine, so use your imagination. And then you get to pick anybody in this room to be your servant. I wouldn't pick your wife, but you can pick anybody in here. Who do you want to call? Just call them out. All right, come on up, Melissa. She's never coming back again. All right, go ahead and write number two on the next page. You hold up number one. Give her number two. Don't worry, Melissa. You're going to come out looking like a million bucks in this. Take your time. There's no rush. You just messed up my notes again, dude. You have your doctorate. How long does it take to rip a piece of paper? Golly, where'd you go? University of Subway? Stand over here. <laughs> Ronald McDonald Community Call? I shouldn't have said any of that. All right. So, I want to give you a visual of this parable because you can get lost in all of the details. So, I want you to remember this, okay? So, Corey works for me. He owes me money. I'm the king. This is what Jesus is talking about. Let's pick up in verse 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. You'll see Jesus with that phrase a lot. It's saying, hey, pay attention. This is going to be important. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to set the settlement, a man who owed 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. How much does he owe me? 10,000 bags of gold. That's a lot of money. I'm buying new shoes. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold to repay the debt. Now, this was common cultural, culturally. If you owed money, you would sell yourself as service for however many years that that was the equivalent. So he's saying to him, you got to sell yourself, your wife, and your kids to pay this debt. That's not fun. So what happens? At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, hold on. He didn't say, I'll give you more time. 
He didn't say, let's knock 20% off of that. You got a coupon. That's good. No, no. What did he do? He canceled the debt. Lean into this deep theological truth. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for just some of your sins. Your debt was canceled. Your future sins, your present sins, your past sins, canceled. Paid in full. So that's what's happening right here. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Let's go ahead and walk over to your sister or aunt. Are you all kidding? Aunt, sister, got it. Oh, uh, what, a thousand silver coins? hundred silver coins. So not nearly as much as he owed me. Way, way, way less. Lean into this. Now don't do this, okay? He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, be patient with me and I will pay it back. So you're seeing a reflection. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. So now I would be calling Corey back in after I heard what he did. But keep in mind, I canceled his debt. Someone owed him a lot less. And you made him pay. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And here's the part that's heavy. In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. That's heavy. That's serious. That should show you how serious Jesus takes this. Can you give it up for Corey and Melissa? Come on. Y'all can keep those as souvenirs. I'll sign them after. Here it is. All throughout Scripture, we see that forgiveness is not optional. It doesn't mean it's easy. But we were never promised an easy life. Christians were actually destined to have a more difficult life. Look at the church of Acts. They suffered for the gospel. It's never going to be an easy path to forgiveness. But it's what Jesus asks of us. It is obedience. Now, when you, if you have kids, when you have kids, it gives you a little bit of different perspective on the character of God. And here's what I mean. I remember the first time that I heard my oldest daughter's heartbeat. Like they go in and they put that, um, what's that thing called? Stethoscope? Is that what it's called? A what? Doppelganger? Sure. Yeah, I know that's not it. Don't patronize me. They put that thing on, on her belly, and you can hear the heartbeat. And I remember the first time I heard my oldest daughter's heartbeat. Keep in mind, I hadn't seen this baby. I don't know what it looks like. I think it was the size of like a little jelly bean of some sort. I started crying because I was like, this is my child. And at that moment right there, without even seeing that kid, without that kid doing one thing for my life that added any value, I would literally have died for them. That's God. 
just the same. When your kids get a little bit older, I think it gives you a different perspective of God. This is going to be a little plot twist. You ever been on a road trip and your kids are fighting? I got two daughters, man. They're like separated by less than two years. They fight from time to time. And what does it do when you got multiple kids, Josh, that fight? What's it do to your blood pressure? Don't answer that. We know. You just want it to stop. Like your brothers and sisters, get along. I can't help but think that that might be how God feels when people in the church fight amongst each other. Like this is horizontal energy, man. Y'all are sitting in an annoying rocking chair. We got work to do. But I also don't want to minimize what you've gone through. And I want to show you the heart of God. I want you to show you the heart of Jesus for what he wants to do with church hurt. Because what I want us to do, we're approaching the runway, is I want us to be able to figure out how to release this offense so that you can move forward. I've talked to some of you during this week. There's some people with some serious, serious church hurt. Some of you are here because you left another church. Some of you are here for the first time. I talked to somebody three weeks ago, two weeks ago, that three weeks ago was their first time, and, and they grew up as somebody that was in the leadership of their church had molested her when she was a young kid. She had never been back to church since, and you know what? I don't blame her. I don't. But there's no one that is more sad when something like that happens than Jesus himself. I want to show you the heart of my Savior. I want to show you the heart of my risen King. It takes place in the last few hours of Jesus' life. He's praying at the Mount of Olives. This is that prayer where he's like, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. This is when his closest friends have abandoned him. They're about to deny him. They keep falling asleep during the moment of the most important prayer of his life. He knows what's coming. Like the, the, the Roman Empire came up with crucifixion as the most painful, terrible way for that a human being could die. And that's what they did. And he knows this is coming. And he spent the last three years pouring into these men, saying, I'm going to leave you. And then that moment comes, and he gets arrested. And as he gets arrested, Peter does what Peter often does. He tries to insert himself into the situation and fix it. Now, now his intentions were nothing but good. He was trying to protect his Savior, the Messiah, the one they've been hearing about for thousands of years. So he takes his sword out and the servant of the high priest, he cuts off his ear. Literally, like, chops his ear off. Now, first of all, this is pretty funny because, like, you don't think Jesus can defend himself, but you're going to with, like, a Peter Pan little sword, like... It's got to be a little bit comical, but I want you to look at this for a moment from the perspective of the servant of the high priest who was just doing his job. As somebody who was a follower of Jesus caused him pain. But you've never thought of the story from this perspective before. He's just doing his job. As somebody 
who claims to follow Jesus just caused him physical pain, emotional pain, and probably humiliated him in front of all of his friends. He cuts his ear off, like Vincent Van Gogh style. And, and, and I want you to see what Jesus does. This is in Dr. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 50. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Jesus wants to heal wounds caused by other believers. Imagine what this scene looked like. Ear cut off, bleeding everywhere, probably laying on the ground, though Scripture doesn't really tell us. And, and I imagine that when that happens, he's probably down on his knees or probably on the ground or probably in pain. And I imagine Jesus in the middle of all of this, in the middle of all of the commotion, ending his earthly life, doing what he always does, taking the time to talk to one person in pain, whether it be the Samaritan woman, whether it be the woman caught in adultery, taking the time to talk to one person. And I find it very interesting that he would take his time in front of everybody and heal the man's ear. You see, if you've got a deep wound from somebody, it's not going to take a sermon. It's not going to take listening to a Pandora radio station to heal you. The only answer is Jesus. But he cannot heal what you don't submit and give to him. What we're going to do next week is we're going to have pieces of paper that I want you to write down some things on in your life. Wounds, scars, areas of your life that you're ashamed of, the devil reminds you of, areas that you've held on to for a while. And we're going to have a super powerful moment at the end of service where we're going to literally walk up to the cross and put it on the nails because I can't imagine anything other than Jesus telling us you don't have to walk through life with this that's what I died for Jesus didn't die for your sin did you hear that he died for you but to die for you he had to become sin he who knew no sin became sin so that we may be the righteousness of God. Forgiveness is for you and your relationship with God. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together as a community and then Jeremy's going to lead us in singing I Surrender All. What a powerful, powerful song. I can still hear the voice of my grandfather singing this. All means all, not just the good, the good, the bad, 
the ugly, the painful, the wounds. Let's pray together and then sing as brothers and sisters in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person within the sound of my voice, God. I'm so thankful that you know each and every intimate detail of whatever they have been through, which is a great reflection of you having an intimate relationship with each and every one of your children, God. I know that some of these things hurt. I know some of these things have grown roots and festered. But I also know that you're the great physician. And when they were proclaiming the Messiah was coming, it's good news, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, holy one. And I pray that throughout this week, God, that there just may be healing. That even now, like the wounds are cauterized, like even now, your spirit is seeping into the cracks of their heart to heal it from the inside out, God. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you never give up on people. And help us be reminded that we have been forgiven of much. So who are we to withhold forgiveness from anyone, God? Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I would do anything for you and all God's people said. God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.